Hey, you're listening to RuneLanders, available at runewise.games or wherever podcasts are distributed. This is Rapscallions. Now, last week, the Rapscallions were set a task by the goblin crime boss known as Thrasher. They sat to it at once, with a will and all of their skills. Ziva followed up on her hunch about Calder and demonstrated the difference between sorcery and wizardry when she summoned a familiar to aid them in their efforts. Stitch, Arabet, and Nari began gathering intelligence at the city archive, met the city archivist, a demon of ink called Zulgrulbold, and escaped with their lives intact. Magma received an intriguing offer with serious ramifications to her future when a former champion offered to return her to greatness. This is Episode 4, Sweet Home Bailey Mina. I'm Runewise. That's the recap And if you're ready, let's roll. Okay, so we're going to get to all that other stuff in due time, but... Before we begin this episode, we should begin it at the beginning. And so, we're going to take a look back a couple of decades to Bailey Mina before the Rapscallions. The next scene opens on a bright starlit night when the Firth of Bailey Mina is a glitter with the diamonds in the sky. I mean, it's never completely still it ripples occasionally very very occasionally it's flat as a mirror but that's rare and so on nights like tonight when it is completely flat and still the city just seems a little quieter now the scene we see is just a pier sticking out into the firth it's like any other pier there's a great big fat orange moon in the sky and there's this woman of close to 40. This is Heather Hulu. She goes out to the end of this pier with the flat firth and the big fat moon and all of the stars glittering down coldly from high, high above. She kneels down and she sings a little rhyme to herself. Now we can't make out what she's saying, only the melody. And it just repeats again and again and again. And as she does this, she burns these feathers, for one from a dove, one from a crow, and one from a falcon. And when the last flame is out, she stops singing, and that night she has the most erotic dream of the handsomest man she's ever seen, who comes into her room and makes sweet love to her. Nine months later, she has a baby boy, and she calls him Nari. Her prayers were answered. Now, when Nari is about two, He's a little mop-headed kid with, you know, hair down to his middle of his back and, you know, great big feet and great big hands and those huge elvish eyes. All of the features that mark somebody as a half-elf. And I mean, he's underfoot and he's a happy boy, but, uh, you know, he asks his mom one day when he's gonna, when she's going to have a sister for him. And she laughs at him, but Nari doesn't let up. I mean, he's three and a half by the time that, by the time his mother puts him to bed one night about she goes out and she burns some more feathers and nine months later a bouncing baby girl is born after a similar dream 
she counts herself fairly lucky. She's managed to keep these kids fed. And Nari is brilliant. He's way smarter than any kid from this area has a right to be. I mean, he's, he, he doesn't, he solves problems with his words, not his fists. And isn't he brilliant? I mean, he's taken to the academy at the age of seven and he learns to read. And he learns to read so well that they put him into these other courses and so on and so on and so on. And so Nari, when you are 19 years old, you are a fully vested Bachelor of Laws from the University of Bailey Mina, and you didn't pay a nickel for it. You even have a job interview at Stark Weather and Fair after graduation. Like the night after graduation, in fact. Well done. Well done, you. If you can get this job, you can take your mom out of hard bottle. You can put your sister into school. And let's face it, Ziva's even smarter than you are. We rejoin our rapscallions in the ever-shifting now. So, Stitch and Arabet, when you get to the place that Jobsworth said he had rooms, you go banging on the door and this fella opens it up and he's a great big blue-chinned mofro. Thick knuckles and that sort of thing. And he's wearing a suit that is, uh, it's a good suit, it's a good cut. But he's not cut out to to wear nice suits, if you know what I mean, right? He still looks like a gorilla in a tuxedo. However, he's like, uh, yeah, yeah, good morning. Can I help you? Is uh, Jobsworth around? Mr. Jobsworth, um, yes, one moment. And then he closes the door and he can hear some banging around inside and a little bit of cursing. He's like, oi, boss, they're looking for Jobsworth. And then a few seconds later... There's less banging around and panic sounds, and uh, the door opens, and there stands Mr. Jobsworth himself. Go ahead, Jobsworth. Ah, gentlemen, welcome. Can I help you? Well, Mr. Stitch and I, we've been thinking about um, this uh, spelunking expedition we're going to be going on into this. Ah, uh, yes, I believe uh, we've got several people making their own preparations. You uh, wanted me to track down some maps and plans and documents? Yes, and we were hoping that you came up with something of the city. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, what what did I uh, sort of dig up already? I assume I've seen like to some of the engineers and sort of town maintenance people. Yep. The, uh, actually, the city works department keeps an immaculate archive of uh, city plans going back centuries there's probably 620 years worth of city planning in their archive um digging through all that is going to be an effort you had uh i mean just just the sheer volume of information involved um and the guys that you were talking to just kind of pointed you at it and said uh yeah it's all in there the archivist looks after it um if you could find them Tell them that they've got, like, two years of back pay waiting. They just need to come out. Could I get a description of him, perhaps? So I know who I'm looking for? Uh, well, see, no, that's the thing. Nobody's really seen much of the archivist for decades, really. Every now and then, someone comes out in the night, signs for the pay voucher, and then goes back into the archive. We thought, because it's been so long, that perhaps the archivist was dead. But the archiving still gets done. The requests still get filed. It's really weird. We don't even know how they're eating. We don't know, like, 
There's a name, but can you read that signature? Do I have any chance at all of deciphering it? If you roll Arcana. 19. Yeah, okay, there, yeah, there we go, 19. Very good. Um, so, yes, with a, ni- a 19, you, uh, you look at the signature, and it's not actually a signature, but a sigil. And that sigil is of a minor demon called Zulgrulburbl, if you're reading it correctly. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, well, I guess, uh, you know, poke through the archives and see if I can find... Yeah, I mean, if it's organized at, at all geographically, narrow it down to the, just to the area that, uh, by the dock that we're looking into. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing. Like, you did this on your way home, uh, and you stopped at home because you're probably going to need some lunch before you go back in there. So they caught you just, like, you know, preparing to go back in and find the exact part that you need to go look at. It's, like I said, it's going to be arcane and labyrinthine. You might benefit from some help, such as your learned sister, perhaps. Well, okay, if I can, I'll, I'll let the uh, the guys at the house know that, uh, yeah, I've, I've found a lead on some documents, but there is a lot to sort through. If, if they can help me at all, that would be great, but uh, if I can find my sister, she'd be able to chew through this in no time. I, I, I'm more than willing to take a look if you, if you have Oh, certainly. The more, the better, as far as I'm concerned. We rejoin Nari on the day of his graduation from the University of Bailey Mina. All of the top graduates of your class are there being interviewed and measured and weighed by the partners. In the end, three of you are kept behind while everybody else is sent home at the end of the evening and offered these contracts. Now, you're no dummy. You know what this contract's about. It's eventually going to cost you your soul. But that's one hell of a lot of money. It takes you... A few minutes, but in the end you sign, and then the, you don't really remember the rest of the night, but you wake up the next morning in a posh apartment, which you are like, just shocked to find out is yours. There's letters on the table transferring ownership to you. There's a stipend with a bunch of money. So, Ziva, what were you doing when Nari came home with the good news? Probably taking something apart. Okay. It's a cat. You'll find a dead one anywhere, and you're just trying to fix it. <laughs> Figure out how things work. She, she's well, just always been fascinated by how things work. Dead anything. She wants yeah. to know how it works. So she sure. just has to take it apart and find out what all the pieces are. When you go into your mother's tiny, tiny, tiny house, there on the, the dining room table is a, a sheet of oil skin, and your sister with a like a baking pan that she's made into a dissection tray and her collection of very, very sharp little knives. She's looking at things. She's pushing things aside with a stick. She's noting in a book. As you walk over, you can see, like, intricate diagrams. It's disturbing, but at the same time... It's It's very accurate. It's accurate, yeah. Well, I'll definitely have uh, a handkerchief over over my nose. And I'll partly to hide the grin, too, because I don't want to encourage this sort of nonsense too much. Oh, you're, like, back. Hang on. I'm almost done. Now, 
You haven't seen her for a couple of months. She's gotten a little bit taller, filled out a little bit, and she's almost like I, you have a nice, healthy, like an appropriately professional level of tan, right? You're not brown like you work in the field, but you're also not sickly pale like a like an academic. You're a man on the street. You're a, you know, you're an attorney, but uh, Ziva. Ziva's not just pale. I mean, let's face it, your mom's really had to scrimp on candles to keep you in books. But here, even in the dim, she's kind of luminous. She's pale. And those big purple eyes, right? Ziva, Nari looks like something... He's got something going on. There's something he's not telling you. Written all over his face, in fact. Are you gonna, like talk or do i have to like start poking you with sharp things well i do have some good news as a matter of fact okay hired on by a firm oh that's so awesome you have a job what yes and quite a comfortable apartment that comes with it and quite a bit of uh swagger around town it would so what's the catch because I know nobody gives you all of that for nothing. Well, I'm a lawyer now, so it costs my soul, naturally. Right. No, really. I mean, but... it was a complicated contract, but if I can't deal with that, then I suppose I'm not going to be much of a lawyer, am I? Well, okay. That's true. But, like, you, you're not going to live here anymore? It's going to be weird. About that... Um, you don't have to live here anymore either. I can afford finally to send you off for a decent education. Okay, wait, what? Really? Oh, it's a very good job I've got. Yeah, I can afford to send you away for whatever specialized training you you, you find interesting. You know, look at the, uh, the cat that's half disassembled. <laughs> sort of. Actually, it was like not to look at it. I was like already dead. Okay, I didn't do this. I'm not a killer. Just so you know, <sighs> she's kind of giving him this side eye. Like she doesn't quite buy it. And then the door opens, and your mom comes in with the day's washing. She looks over and sees what she's doing, and says, "Oh, Ziva, don't waste that. You know how little money we have for food, after all." No, it's like okay. It's okay. Listen, you'll be like happy. She sets the laundry down. What's going on? I got a job with a firm today. Oh, Nari, that's wonderful. You made it. I'm so proud of you. I told the girls the laundry. I said, my son, my son is going to be a, he's going to be the mayor of Bailey Mina one day, I said. He's at the academy. Oh, my brilliant boy. I'm so proud of you. Well, I guess no, we I won't guess we see much of you, eh? Well, I did get a, a new apartment with the job. I think I can afford to send Ziva here away for some proper schooling of her own. Oh, Nari, that's wonderful. I'm so happy for you. Oh, now, are we having cat for supper, or do you have something else cooking, Z? What is that in the kitchen? I also think we can stop eating cat. And now, back to the present. You arrive at the City Works public archive.
you know, works crews are going home and they're kind of locking up for the night. You come walking in and there's, you know, a big oak desk just sitting in the hall with like a, a long tiled floor that's all laid out in like very art deco sort of patterns. The whole lean of the place is, is very deco, like tall arched doorways and very exquisite trim and the whole turn of the 20th century aesthetic kind of thing in here. It's a very modern building, at least in this part. Anyway, the night receptionist is sitting there next to the phone. She looks at you over her spectacles and goes, Yes, um, how can I help you? Hello, I need to examine some uh, records and documents about some uh, construction projects that have recently given us some trouble. I'm wondering if we can get into the archive? Um, well, it is getting late. It closes at nine. That gives you two hours, and the customary fee is five gold pieces. Yeah, I'll, I'll hand over the five gold um, and, and inform her that uh, we may have more assistance arriving shortly. It can cover them as well, please. Very good. So you're out of pocket, like, uh, 20 gold, and... You and Arabet and Stitch get into the archives. Now, the archives are like endless stacks and scrolls to books to slimmer folios, um, just like two million dead trees in this room, which stretches off into the darkness once you walk past the, the antechamber off the hallway. It's just a great big echoing empty space. In fact, it's so big you're not sure how it fits in the building, or why it is suddenly not at all modern in here. There are gas lights, but they're nothing as modern as the ones outside. They're in good repair, but tarnished and old. All right, cool. Well, I guess I'm going to turn to the, my assistant and basically go, like, lawyer, drill sergeant, make them into my paralegals and send them forth. I'm telling them how to do the basic job. Okay, bring me these papers, this uh, this book, and basically just get Okay, so, uh, yeah, he, he, he tells you roughly where to look, uh, Stitch, Arabet. What are you doing then? I'm looking. I'm looking for about 20 minutes, and then it's like squirrel. Okay. So, um, you find a really good spot to have a nap up on top of one of the shelves because, and I mean, it, it's just complete fluke and absolutely lucky happenstance, but, uh, there, there was a rat up there, right? Like there was, so you had to check it out. So of course you climb the shelf that when you got up there, it wasn't a rat after all, probably just the trick of the light, like no sign of a rat, but would you look at that? It looked like a great spot to have a nap. So, I mean, whether you take it up or not, it's one of the things you discover while you're looking. But I, I do, for the first 20 minutes, actually avidly look. It's just, he loses interest because it's words and books and human bullshit. And I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm saying, like, you're looking all over. Then you see this nap spot. Note it. Go back to looking, you know. But, so you've got, uh, you've got, like, three of the big, thick books that Nari wanted. And they're sitting on, like, a push cart down beneath where you've curled up just for, like, you know, a, a quick blink, really. We'll switch over to Arabet, who has a an oil lamp in his hand and is pouring through the shelves. We're going to catch this from a high oblique angle, and the he's just kind of standing in a little pool of light in the darkness of the stacks, currently looking at a faded 
handwritten card on the corner of a shelf, like where there's a an intersection between rows of shelves. So he said like a T-juncture, which just stretches on into the darkness. Like how big this place is, you're not sure. It's a little creepy in here now, but he, he's standing there in this globe of light and looking at this, and he looks at this hand calligraph sign. It's like, sewer maintenance, 1868 to 1871 and he's like okay goes look at grabs looks finds a tight thing on the shelf pulls it out and when he turns around there is an eight foot tall thing standing behind you what do you do hello uh looking for the dock sewer entrance recent construction that's a good place to start why didn't you ring the bell Looking at this thing, it is a human-esque, humanoid maybe, but really twisted and disfigured. And if you had to have a guess, it looks like it's made out of ink, right? It's like just this human-esque, eight foot tall, very thin, twisted, almost humanoid figure of boiling ink. Can you see uh, Belle? Kind of bends down at the waist, which is really kind of creepy because... Now it's looking you in the face, and your own features are reflected back from the shine of its, like, you know, just its wet, featureless ink head. And then there's a second where there's, like, a bit of a scribbling sound, and your features appear on the front of its head. I am Zul Why are you past the counter? Uh, we paid the fee. Come with me. We have much to discuss. That's not creepy at all. And then, like, this thing just kind of flows off, and you notice that while it appears to be like a creature of liquid, it's not soaking into any of the floors or carpets. Like, it doesn't leave wet marks. In fact, wherever it goes, it's clean. Like, where, wherever it passes is left clean by its passing. There's not a speck of dust on any of these floors. Okay, I follow it. And it leads you through the stacks back to the front desk, where it points at a big brass bell, which sits just behind the counter, motions at you to take a chair while it wanders off into the stacks. And a moment later, um, Stitch comes bolting out of the dark, as though something were chasing him. And a few seconds after that, comes Nari by the collar. What did you see? What did you what, It's black and it's, it's inky. Adamant, Betty, Betty, Betty. Sit down, Stitch. Sit down. So after he comes kind of kind of flowing silently out with an astonished Nari in one hand. Like he has Nari by the... Just grabbed Nari by the back, lifted him up, fingers wrapped around his, his chest, and uh, you, weren't, you weren't ready for it at all, Nari, I gotta tell you. You know? And uh, it's like three seconds later and you're standing on the other side of the counter looking at Arabet, still kind of like what the fuck just happened you're not used to being surprised like that it's unnerving do what i can to straighten my outfit and adjust my tie and pat myself for that well done okay then um so you, you straighten yourself out and turn on this ink demon i mean after all it is a demon and you're a warlock so you know you have a different pack, but you know all about these people, right? So, you remember that his name is 
Zolgrolbulb from looking at the sigil, but you also remember from your discussion that it has been referred to as the Archivist. You could probably get away with calling it that. And it kind of sits there and, you know, there's a scribbling noise and it mimics your features and uh, wig this time. And then there's a, it raises one of your perfectly sculpted eyebrows and smirks and then just devolves into facelessness but for the wig. My apologies, I did not see you for who you were when I laid hands upon you. Now, what do you seek in my archive? We need information about some underground passages and sewers near the docks. We have uh, some issues to seek out with it. Perhaps these, and with a gesture, these scrolls just fly up towards the ceiling from behind the desk. They're like, uh, you know, scrolls with, with rods at either end. But they unroll, <clears throat> and for a moment they appear completely blank. The ink demon then spins and spatter and sends a spatter from the end of its hand all across these scrolls, the parchment. At first it just lands in great big blobs of ink, but... You know, as things go, it takes about 10 seconds, but they all crawl and squirm and, and form glyphs and lines and pictures and runes, and then boom, there's a full plan of that particular area um, as it currently stands. Oh, that's quite impressive, sir. What particular bit did you want to know? Well, for now, I believe our main priority is the layout of the entrances and exits to the, uh, to the area underground. Uh, perhaps my colleagues here could elaborate on the information that our team requires. Yeah, that, well, sorry. we need to get, sorry. No, I have to we need to get down, down to the docks. From the, from, from we need a, a, an entrance. So based on the area that you're talking about, the ink demons, the ink demon is now standing amid you. Um, in a tall, thin column, as though it, it, its appearance now looks as though it is some sort of um, bald-headed priest, right? It has eyes and a mouth, much as, but it, it has like big, luminescent white eyes. And when it opens a mouth, it's white inside instead of black. Other than that, the creature is featureless and uh, appears to be wearing a cassock, which falls from its shoulders to the floor in a straight line with big bell sleeves, which it keeps its hands tucked in in front of it. It takes one of its hands out of its sleeves, and there's a, a small drip of ink which hits the carpet you stand on and rolls back to join the rest of the demon. It makes a gesture, and the ink on the scrolls rearranges itself to be a zoomed-in area of what you're talking about. Now, jumping off the dock and any drains they went in go back at least 30 feet, and they're only 4 inches across, like in diameter. There's no way a human being could fit through there. But, 40 feet back under the street, there is a storm drain gallery, which is like a nexus of all kinds of storm drains, which sits in a big cistern and then drains out to, you know, drains out to the bay naturally, rather the firth naturally. That's pretty much like, like a five point sort of thing, right? A good area to go. It's a confluence of five different ways. If you could get into there, Another gesture from the demon, and the view changes. And yes, it's uh, just up the hill from uh, Bronze Tusks. 
And so you figured out your access right there. There's a manhole cover, but there's also a maintenance... Well, there's a maintenance and a venting building, in fact, um, which has stairs going down. Problem is getting into there. Those are, keys are generally held by works department employees, and they don't part with them. So, question. As we pour over these little maps, and I'm, I'm assuming my character's not very good at reading maps at all, but he is looking for something that would be large enough for a nest. Keeping in mind that these things probably turn into rats, and then will re-evolve or change back into halflings or humans or a larger size. He is looking for an area near the port, near the docks, that would be large enough to house... Ah, oh, we'll see. Like Three blocks up and two blocks over, there's a fairly sizable sewer gallery. Based on the size of the print and what you get, it's about the size of an opera hall. Oh, I do so like opera, he says, as he kind of looks over the map and goes, I think we should try it. Okay, well, uh, Nari's going to just start taking notes and sketches as much as he can, just, you know, take out a few loose pieces of paper and uh, just try and sketch a good, decent map well, off of that. Would you like copies? If you can produce them easier than me, then that would be most of all right, and he, he makes it, so the ink demon makes a gesture, all the ink flies off the pages and back into its body. Um, the scrolls roll themselves up behind the counter, and there's the sound of uh, from somewhere behind the counter. Then there's the clickety-clickety-clack, click, tick-tick-tick-tickety-tack-tack, like of, you know, a hundred typewriters suddenly smashing keys in frantic typing sounds. Um, and as that's going on, the demon, the demon now turns to the three of you and says, and who will be paying for this? What's the charge? Ah, how very shrewd of you. What do you have to offer? I see you for who you are, warlock. Perhaps, will... uh, at the very least, I could retrieve your pay for you. You have several years of back pay waiting for you. Money is worthless to me. I used to use it to buy prostitutes. But that got boring after a while. Stitch just kind of leans over to... Is it Nari that we're with right now? Or Yes. Yes. <laughs> kind of leans over and goes, All he really did was save us time. Truly. We would have found this event. Yeah. If uh, we had been allowed to browse freely for as long as we wanted, we would have eventually found it. This is absolutely true. Uh, you know, if we came back early in the day, we would have only wasted a few more hours. Then you can come back earlier in the day. All I'm saying is this is a bit of a trivial matter. You obviously waved a hand and it was very easy for you to do, where we could have spent time sketching it out, finding rudimentary. I'm not very good at the, the whole I have, I have a need, you see. I need pigment of lapis lazuli. Normally, this would be a nominal fee, but none will sell to me, you see. And so, I require agents. Lapis I need, lapis. I need, I need some components for my inks. I will trade you copies for these components. Nothing too exotic, yet. I know your patroness. And I seek not to anger. For these uh, prints, I'd be happy to find some lapis lazuli for you. 
In fact, I would encourage this work to continue. I would like to support it. On your word, then, have it delivered. Very good, sir. Sealed. And with that, the ink demon just kind of soaks into the carpet and, it, and disappears. And then there on the desk itself are four sheets of various views of the areas that you were looking at. That uh, entrance point and the tunnels leading to the opera hall size gallery. So, that in hand, when the three of you converge at Ziva's Mortuary, um, Magma has been back for a little while. And uh, she and Calder are sitting having tea in uh, one of the front rooms. The place is actually really well appointed, despite the fact that it's under construction. But the three of you arrive, and uh, when, you, when you're shown up the stairs by the invisible servants, um, Ziva has a fuzzy little black rat peeking out of the collar of her dress. Oh. Uh. You can't, like, have it. It's magic. Sorry. Oh, I'm fine. So what does magic taste like? Like, uh, ten gold worth of spell components. Ugh. No, thank you. Yeah. So this little guy is gonna, like, help us out. Because I can, like, send him in there and then, um see like what he sees and will look like nothing suspicious at all well that's fantastic so can this little rat read maps or do you send it with your brain like send it with like yeah with me okay so that's creepy uh and a bit yeah stitch so I, I i don't mean to be um how do i put this I feel like that demon is screwing us in some sort of way. Um, does anybody know what lapis lazuli can be used for? I probably do. Would you like me to make a roll? I'm sure Calder knows as well. So, like, what should I name this rat? Well, as lunch has been taken, and apparently it's not a, a viable subject, perhaps a, a well-deserved name. A rat-like name. No. I was going to suggest that you call him Boney M, but that's just my thought. <laughs> I'll just call him M. So are we always going to have a rat with us, or can this thing change no, shape? It's like, it can change shape. I just thought, like, the rat was the best shape for this, like, moment and situation oh no i fully agree it will blend in splendidly so uh, like i'm sorry oh. if it's like hard for you it is so fucking hard for me but you know what i'll learn to deal with this because apparently we're going spelunking in people's shit well okay hang on and she reaches up and like gives a little rat a scratch under the chin and it sort of disappear it sort of uh scribbles like it almost like it goes into a pocket in her uh skirt but it disappears because part of the spell i can like sort of oh wait does that yeah and there's a little there, there's no it in and out no it's it's just an action and you're not doing anything right else, so... okay it's an, i was just double checking yeah. so yeah it's an action to uh temporarily dismiss and yeah. 
So, so yeah, it, so. It, 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 it crawls into your pocket, but uh, there's a little puff of smoke, black smoke that comes out of your pocket. Like there's a bulge yeah. in your pocket, and then the pocket goes flat, and there's a little bl- and there's a little, a little puff of black smoke that comes out of the pocket. <laughs> what can I say? I like descriptive magic. Tell me if I'm boring. It's the best kind. Why not? That's the whole point of being a wizard is just right. being extra. Or a sorcerer, or a warlock, <laughs> or, a, or a or a bard, or any caster. You got to show off a bit, right? Yeah. So, 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 Zip Zip, aha, Zip Zip, I have a couple questions. Yeah. Okay, so first of all, it's a rat. Will it be influenced in any sort of way by the other rats in the sewer? Like, will they be able to mind control this rat in this, and turn it against us? <laughs> or, or, no, because it's basically like it's like a little ball of magic that takes a shape and that shape just happens to be rat. Oh yeah, that, that makes sense. So it isn't a rat. rat it's it tasting like ball. One. Yeah, just looks like one. So can it become a bear? Can it become a... a oh, could it become a weasel? Uh, yeah. Mostly just like, there, it can't be anything like really big. But As if to illustrate a option, point. Yeah. As if to illustrate a point, um, Ziva happens to be standing next to a tray of crackers, and this octopus tentacle comes out of the pocket, grabs a cracker, and pulls it back in. More black smoke. <laughs> Mother bitch! Magma kind of turns around, looks at Stitch, and says, All around the mulberry bush, the monkey chased the weasel. I like it, Maggie. Good stuff. Megan, how have you been? I haven't seen you in, like, five hours. As a matter of fact, she happens to be holding onto a teacup exactly the same way that Calder is, with, like, one pinky up and one hand underneath the saucer rather politely, and with, like, an inch gap between her back and the chair. And she's like, well, I do say that this is... um." rather interesting in regards to its proposal um uh, I, 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 I well it's not been that long stitch it's just you have of course the memory of a goldfish oh dear god she's possessed those things are delicious by the way stitch so i'm just making sure that you were able to do whatever it is you were able to do and we have spent time with a demon and got maps of the sewers. This is, this is a wonderful plan. I can see it coming together. Okay. Okay. That's, wait. That's fantastic. Uh, Did I you managed say, to like, find a demon. You just say demon. Girl. Okay. We're gonna have to like. The archivist of the city is uh, infernal. Oh yeah. Sorry. I that just kind of blew my mind a little. Okay. Welcome to the city. So. We now have a, a rudimentary map of the sewers in the area that we would want to be looking for the most. We have found a possible den where these were-rats are possibly staying. The size of an opera house. By the way, Maggie, I love opera. Anyways, besides that, now we have several points of possible entry uh, that would be man-sized for us to get down into. Now, that's a backup plan. Do we wish to go down into it? And I would recommend not spelunking through people's shite, but 
Is there any sort of alternative? There well, I... may indeed be an alternative, but she looks at Ziva and gestures for her to go for it. Sorry, I was just gonna say, like, I, I, the idea was like to send the rat in to like look at all the different entrances just to find out which one was the best or like the safest or whatever. How long would that take, Ziva? Do you have a a, a rough estimate? Like, are we talking about it? If I look over the map. Yep. Uh, you could probably, like, um. If you, yeah, you, you could probably, with the rat, yeah, half an hour. Half an hour to scout out three different ways. Ten minutes per direction, there are six of them. You could spend an hour to look at all of them, half an hour to yeah. get half of them. Yeah. Well, that's extremely efficient. So that's something we can do. Um, Mega, what did you... Oh, well, I did find out the names of our... Uh individuals who have been causing no end of trouble over at the bronze the bronze tusk which incidentally reminds me um the the owner uh of the bronze tusk i happen to meet him he is a uh wonderfully skilled individual that was in the arena at one point in time so we had a point of contact he's eventually going to be helping me with a few things anyways the four halflings, Willa is the woman, Ben is sort of the muscle, the other two are sort of unmentionable. It may... I wonder if we may be able to get a hold of the other two and perhaps shake them down before we go and find Willa and Ben. Uh, Jaharis may mention to me that Willa and Ben, of course, were the two prime goons, for the lack of a better term, that we, they needed, that we needed to worry about. So, very good, Maggie. Um, a couple of questions now that we need to kind of answer ourselves. What kind of time frame do you think Thrasher's given us out of it? He'll give us enough time to get the job done. We'll have a few days. Excellent. Okay, so the next point of interest would be, can we track their mortal identities? And I mean, they are were-rats, but they're coming off as halflings. What do these halflings do for a living? Uh, we got enough time to track and see where they might actually work, where they may actually make pay. If they're going into a tavern, they're paying in coin, which means they're probably got jobs of some sort. Um, Adam, did, um, did you hear us mention to me sort of how they were like, did he have to bounce them out of the establishment before they paid for their drinks? Yeah, they came in and started picking fights with him. But they came in, ordered some beers, and before the beers were done, they started pushing them around. There was four of them. And he, like, was bashing them. He grabbed them, smashed them together. He bashed them off everything. He wiped the floor with them and then threw them out. You know? Like he said, you can step on their head. It doesn't matter. You can step on their neck. It doesn't matter. You can throw them against the wall. It doesn't matter. They just bounce back. They're incredibly she, uh, she re She relays that information uh to the group and sort of looks at them and says i i do not think that jahiris was fully aware of what exactly these creatures were it sounds to me and of course in my discussions with mr calder here that i don't think jahiris possesses the magical or urgent capabilities if you catch my drift all right then hmm 
So there's a very good chance that these little bastards are thieves of some sort, and that's how they might be making their coin. And that's probably why Thrasher's a little upset with them, because he's, they're hounding in on his head. And also, like, yeah, they're, they're probably causing a lot of trouble. And like, but you know, if he noticed that there was something kind of odd about them, it's probably not going to take long before other people figure it out. Absolutely. And like any good hobgoblin, Thrasher thrives on order, his type of order. So they've obviously given him enough problems the same way as giving this orc bar problems. Now, finding their agenda would be a very hard point. And I think we should agree, we need to track down at least one of them and question them if possible. Magma, do you have any idea? I think going after the other two might be uh, beneficial, seeing as how I think they're just there to follow the pack. And a question to Adam. How many halflings do we normally come across in the city? Are they alive? Okay, well, it depends on where you are, right? If you're at, uh, if you're at the, if you're at Tyrus Island out in the, out in the Firth, right? Um, there's lots of halflings who arrive from other places. They're like, they're especially populous in the Riverlands and the Lakelands. And again, like everybody else, they come to the Empire to make their fortune, right? Um, so like, I mean, every boat that comes into Tyrus Island out there in the, out there in that fjord is, uh, crammed with people of all kinds like orcs shifters uh to buy like you know you're the only tabaxi you've seen but you have seen a few shifters of late there's uh like there's always people coming in you remember when you came and landed on the island and had to present all your papers and and everything like that uh like there, there were halflings in the crowd there and there's always barkers on the docks you know like hey do you need work come work for me right so i mean People arrive in Bailey Mina every day from all from over all the world. I think my, my, my question is more along the lines of, do they have, is there a halfling community, like a shantytown or a community or of any sort like that? Absolutely. Um, it's called Littletown. And it's... Wah, wah. Yeah, no, it's called Littletown because it's a direct smash at the fact that nobody there is taller than four feet. And uh, it's actually set in some wide alleys in the Orkish district. I will reiterate that to to my fellows. I think perhaps grabbing one, one of the other two and maybe going to Little Town to maybe shake them up, see if we can't track them down, grab them and see what we can't do in terms of getting information out of them. Failing that, it may also grab or incite the others to come up from their dwelling place. Because, let's face it, you don't want to go into someone's home turf. They're going to kick your ass. You are absolutely correct, Maggie. I'd rather not go into sewers that I have to bend over in order to fight a rat. Bring the rats up to the surface would be much better. If we start enough noise in Little Town, Maybe they have some connections. Maybe they have a little bit of heartstrings that get pulled, and they come to us. Is is there one of the entrance uh, in the? Or uh, no, actually, Little Town is uh, 
out towards the Sea Garden Coast. Um, okay. Probably two or three miles out towards the Sea Garden Coast. It's on the Ork Ridge, which is um, like just it, it was a shitty spot that uh, City Works flattened out and built a lot of great big square buildings which they were supposed to build parks in between, but then the funding fell through, so it was just like these new buildings with shitty landscaping, and nobody pink wanted to buy them, and so the orcs wound up living there. And because the places were so, like, the orcs just moved in and pretty much treated these apartment blocks like a, like a citadel, right? Like a, like one one of their citadel stones way up north um more on that later but like they, they just moved into it like one of their settlements and every one of these blocks became its own orcish village and in between in these like the hundred feet between these buildings um these halflings moved in and established their squats and their shanties and you know uh built it up so that the whole thing is this block but uh you know, the spaces in between the orc villages are crammed with halflings on all levels. It's it's quite a spot if you haven't been, and many of you haven't. So if you'd like to go there, we can do that, too. One yeah. last question, yeah. Adam. Yep. Have I ever worked on a halfling? Like, have I ever stitched? Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. There's people of all kinds in your neighborhood, which I... What did I call it again? I think it was... Flea bottom or something like that. It was flea bottle, yeah. Flea bottle, yes. Flea um, bottle, yes. So, uh, if I happen to have a couple of names, I can possibly give that to whoever is going to. Yeah, no problem. You've, uh, you've actually, like I said, Little Town is the main concentration of halflings, but they have squats and shanties all over the places, all over the place. Like any like out in the out in the Firth, of course. Like there are stones out there that you couldn't build a proper house on, but there's four halfling families living on it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So in this sort of occasion, if we were to go to one of the halfling communities and start a little bit of a uh, you know, a little bit of you know, this and that, and uh, I, I don't have the stomach for it personally. You know, some of you might be a little bit better at that than me. However, it may bring these guys up if they have any sort of tie. I'm not sure we should assume that they do. They uh, appear to be breeding largely outcasts uh, already, living in the sewers, after all. I wonder then, like, maybe other halflings are not happy about that, but it would be super hard to find anybody in there. And also, those people's lives kind of aren't great in the first place. Maybe let's not go making them, like, work. Even asking questions is enough to possibly bring them up. They, they have to have some sort of distant ties to the community, so to speak. If you think about it, if we were to ask questions, it may bring them to the surface. They were halflings at one point. They weren't born the way they were. They were infected. This is a disease, a curse, or worse. Good knows what has given it to them. But they're bitey little bastards, and they may still have some sympathies. I actually wonder myself, Mr. Stitch, if they won't run out of their communities once it was discovered that they were infected, or perhaps 
if they have done like they've done it the golden tusk where they've basically come in once a month to rough house and shake up and, and get into a fat if such things were amongst the orcs seen as as very poor and amongst their own halfling can also seen as poor decorum there's nothing saying that their own communities basically said no you can get the fuck out oh yeah my thought is that they probably started off in the halfling community and as you said probably were <clears throat> excommunicated so to speak. she looks at calder for a moment and starts to kind of lower her pinky very slowly and sit back in the chair almost like she's daring him to say something about it i uh i raise an eyebrow that's it she adjusts her seating again so that she's an inch <laughs> and the pinky raises once more it looks like there's a, like a, the neutral face but you can see like judging by her tattoos that she's like oh for god's sake i do think perhaps shaking down the community or at the very least asking a few questions within the community might be a good idea i'm also thinking if they've caused trouble down in the docks before they've probably done it in other places within bailey mina as well are any of the entrances near the dock well all the sewers drain out into the firth right yeah so I mean, you just got to find a big enough drain anywhere along that okay. the coast of that fjord and you can, you know. Out of character, didn't you say that there was some sort of entrance into the sewers not that far from the bronze top? There was there was indeed. It was just up the it was just up the hill, probably hmm. a kilometer or two. Okay. Sorry, a so, kilometer, a kilometer. All right. So let's start with that one. I'm actually curious to see if I might be able to do a little bit of reconnaissance and see if I might be able to find perhaps where they are coming from. They're going into the sewers at various points. They've got to be coming out at certain points as well. Rats, halflings, they're both creatures of habit. Why creatures of habit. Now, the last one that they would, we say, bitten and braced was a goblin girl. That seems a little strange. Again, yeah, that... one of two reasons I'm thinking is that A, they were trying to get a message to our hobgoblin friend, or that goblin girl just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time during their particular phase of the moon. Yeah, what is the phase of the moon right now? Or like in the last few days when they were fighting? Why, it was the new moon. Tonight, even as you're all sitting in Ziva's parlor and the sun has gone down and the moon is beginning to rise, you can see, well, the moons are beginning to rise. Um, the red moon Rocinante is a thin red sliver. The white moon is entirely eclipsed, and the green moon is, well, on its way through the seasonal progression. The skies, well, it's clear tonight, so you can see all the rings, and all the moons, and all the stars away in the, in the distant night sky, and it's, it's quite beautiful, but the, um, the ring of fire, because obviously summer is waxing. Uh, the Ring of Fire is especially beautiful. It's all kinds of different colors and, you know, shimmering in the night sky. But yes, the uh, Rosinante moon, the 
the monthly one is well it was new a couple days ago unfortunately i don't think we're going to have time to wait until the next new moon but it would probably be good to know just in case these aren't the only rats Ziva. The fools at that university aren't fit to copy your study notes either. <laughs> Why are they all so frustrating? You're a senior apprentice by now. You'll be able to cast legally soon. You just have to get into a, a school with a broader mind, let's say. They really just do not appreciate my genius. Well, Toll the Dead is a completely legitimate spell to use for your entry levels. It's within the power... It's a, it's beautiful if you take it apart. I know, like people just have this like prejudice about necromancy. Sure, your dissertation on Toll the Dead was was great, and that's probably not what got you kicked out. I would say it was the uh, necromantic choke you put on that. Well, you know, had it coming anyway. Just would not stop. So. Couldn't help it. Especially now when the other girl's family is alumni. Yeah. Yeah, but that was probably it. But anyways, the ship you took back to uh, Scotia, well, it landed at Poison Pool to the south, right? So, I mean, you're going overland from Poison Pool. So you rented a good team of four horses and an experienced coachman and a really good coach. And I mean, you're riding through the Tugely Wood at night because the coachman's going to go all night. You said you wanted to be in Bailey Mina as soon as possible. And he said he could get you there by noon in three days. So switching out teams and stuff and rolling on through the night. Seems to know what he's doing. I'm doing a great job. So it's surprising that the coach stops. And from outside you can hear, oh, stand and deliver, darling. Yes. Okay, Definitely gets attention. Yes, we've uh, we've come for your treasure. Well, you're gonna be sorely disappointed. You two eggs step off and I'll blow holes in ya. Oh, darling, we're not here for money. Oh, we've got lots of money, yes, we do. No, no, we're here for your treasure. Come out, darling, we've been waiting all this time. Um, what? Oh, <laughs> stop messing around. The stars are correct. We knew you'd be here. Send this poor coachman home, darling. You've finally arrived where you belong. So, where to from here, my friends? I would say our first, our, our, our best bet right now, uh, I like Magma's idea about doing the recon, but I also think uh, we should arrange and organize uh, shifts for stakeout. Okay. Cool. Just to, to watch the, uh, the the various entrances that we think they're probably using and figure out pattern time for which ones they actually are using. I like it. Uh, I'll just send my rat to scout. Um, like, I have to sort of be somewhat near it. Right. But I'll send the rat to scout uh, entrances and then sort of watch through its eyes. Uh... For all appearances, Ziva's standing there out in the... Uh, out underneath the streetlight on this uh, wide 
round, this wide traffic circle. She's standing off to the side, overlooking the Firth, as all the beautiful lights in the heavens twinkle and, and reflect themselves in the water. It's actually, it, it's quite beautiful, but Ziva can't see any of it because her senses are with her rat far below. Um, you sent the rat in the tunnels that the last place you saw those, well, the were rats, right? Um, and it gets up to the gallery quickly. Now, the gallery is flooded because there was a rain a couple days ago and things are still draining. But there's graffiti on the walls and it's all like, apart from the profanities and dirty pictures, like there's several different varieties of dicks drawn on the wall down here. There's this weird and eerie light that's caused by, if you had to hazard a guess, a uh, continuous light spell cast on the bottom and your rat runs along in passageways and all this. But most of these six things leading off of this gallery, they're at least tall enough for, for the tallest one of you to stand up in. I mean, like you're getting your telemetry from two inches off the floor, but... Yeah. If you had to make a, an educated guess, then yes, Stitch should have no problem standing up in here. The problem is going to be swinging room, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's going to be pretty tight to go swinging weapons or casting spells in these tunnels. Um, yeah. But lots of room to stand up. You could march single file. However, because you are possessing a rat and are privy to the rat's senses... Your sense of smell is like, imagine if you could only see in black and white, but you could smell in full color. Yeah. Okay. Now, imagine that your your full color sense of smell had been from a Zenith television from the 50s. You know, those ones with the hyper good color and, you know, like the, sorry, from the 1970s. Those ones in the wood cabinet with the awesome picture and the tube that weighed yeah. three, that weighed like 150 pounds. <laughs> You know, like, that, that is what you were expecting. What this is, is, uh, you know, virtual reality, 1080p high def, uh, sorry, 4K high def, 2 million colors, right? You can taste things that you should normally see. Um, in fact, when your rat closes its eyes and uses its nose, uh, everything gets so much more vivid. Right, and the whole experience kind of makes Ziva, Ziva's knee buckle a little bit. Thankfully, Magma's right there to catch her by the elbow. Right, as they stand there looking out like a couple of gals over the Firth. You know who knows what they're doing. The rat carries on. So, the other thing that is extraordinarily sensitive to you right now, Ziva, is that your whole skin is. It feels like your whole skin is reading. Even the smallest vibrations, your sense of touch, like yes, you're running along a slimy, uh, along a, a slightly slimy, but still, you know, tractable stone walkway. Mm-hmm. However, the slime, instead of just feeling squishy, you can feel the water around the the uh, strand of seaweed, which has grown over the years of being wet. You know, and just things, you know, that that long, hairy seaweed. You can feel the strand of the plant. You can feel, like, the slight give under your weight. You can feel that the stone doesn't give at all. And the way that the, the goop and the slime all feels, you know, against uh, against the claws of the rat. Every square micrometer of this beast's skin is alert for trouble. So you can feel the were-rats coming before you see them. Ooh. And... 
fair enough. It's uh, it, it's not Mickey and Despero. It is uh, Ben and Willa, and they appear to be dashing off down this tunnel, pulling clothes off of each other. But um, they stop. Ben has his shirt halfway over his head, and then puts it back on and looks around and has a sniff. And it's then that the that you're familiar notices that there is um, there are other rats. Not just the two halflings, but other rats, and lots and lots of them, you know? Just just kind of milling out of one of the other passages and coming their way. Um, your familiar looks over at this horde of rats and then looks at Willa and Ben, and Willa and Ben take off running the way that they came from. Hmm, interesting. What's even more interesting is that there's a horde of about a thousand rats which comes boiling, giant rats, which comes boiling up the passageway all over your familiar. Um, you're going to oh. need to cast that spell again. Poor guy. So she kind of jumps out of it. Just, yeah. ah. Ziva's head snaps back. Like, her eyes are screwed shut. And when she turns her face, like, you know, when she turns her face to you, a thin tendril of blood leaks out of her left nostril. Uh, Magma sort of reaches like in into the folds of her gi and pulls out like a uh like a you know cotton handkerchief and sort of very discreetly hands it over to Ziva and says uh, you may want to check the paps there darling they're a bit rusty it feels like uh, somebody has taken your wand and lodged it in your left ear duct Ziva oh that's like really really grody and then she'll uh she kind of dab her face and sit there and as the, this little puff of black smoke rises from the uh, rises from the manhole cover in the center of the traffic circle, and discreetly flies, discreetly floats over to put itself in Ziva's pocket. Like, okay, so I saw a couple of those were rat people, halfling people. And they were like taking their clothes off or whatever, and then all of a sudden they stopped, and then they were like, wait, and then they ran. And then a whole shitload of giant fucking rats came running out. Towards them or away from them? Um, was it toward them? It was toward them, yeah. They were running from this giant yeah. pile of rats. Yeah. And like, my familiar was sort of in the way but um yeah so they were being chased by these like giant rats and there were a lot really a lot i don't know how i feel about this but if the two of them are running yeah from a pile of rats and they're rat kin themselves that's problematic yeah I don't know, like, they just didn't... What was their expressions? What did they... What were their faces like? Their faces were concerned. Okay. Yeah, they look super worried. Like, they did not want to be there. So, we should go tell everybody, and she kind of looks at the manhole cover, just like, uh, I really don't like the idea of there being that many giant rats right there. Yeah, they were all the size of groundhogs. Marmots, rather. Yeah, they were, like, big. Oh, that is rather disconcerting. Um, she looks over to the rest of the group and says, Well, 
I mean, uh, this sort of changes things, doesn't it? Well, it, it does alert them that there's something coming from that direction. Know, well, yeah, like, they don't know about them. Or they waited until they saw it and ran. Well, I, they didn't, like, notice it until they were, like, right there. They could smell it. They'll run from certain smells. I believe we could use that. How can they smell it over other people's shite? I don't know, man, but, like, being a rat was kind of intense. It was, like, super intense, like, sensory feeling. So, I don't know. I guess they're just, like really good at it. Great, now you know how I live day to day. So, let's 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 just think here for a second. He set the rat down, I did this, da, 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 and then they ran away, and you're... Okay, so they've got defenses. We're not going to be able to go that way. We gotta draw them out. We're not going to be able to go down there. How many giant rats did you say they had? The rough estimates through your ratty ratty eyes? Like... A thousand-ish. A thousand-ish. Are, are, you, are you slagging me, glass? No, I mean it. When I said there was, like, really a lot, I mean really a lot. 681, in fact, Ziva, now that you've got an account. Now that you think about it, yeah, 681. Yeah, she kind of stands there for a minute, like, like she's doing math. Yeah, six hundred eighty-one. I I kind of look to Jobworth slash Nari for a moment, then back to Ziva. And, okay, uh, okay. So we're not going that way. We can't go into the sewers. We'll be no, overrun no. by these giant rats immediately. We have to draw them out. We can't yeah. do it. Hmm. So what would piss them off? One of them's got to have ties to the upside world somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, we should, like, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Maybe we should, like, follow them around or something. Following them around might be harder than you suspect. If they can sense one rat out of 600 and how many being not quite right? Oh, no, they didn't sense me. They sensed the other rats coming. They had no, yeah, no yeah. idea. Well, let's start again here. They sensed the other rats coming, or did they the purposely bring the other No, they sensed them coming and ran away. From what I understand of Miss Ziva's interpretation, Mr. Stitch, is that they were running away from the other rats that were coming, which... Why do rats run away from anything? They usually do it out of fear. So there was something else within that sewer, whether it be the 681 rats per Ziva's count, or something larger. Uh, you watch Stitch's eye kind of quiver, like one of his eyes just kind of quivers a bit, like he's thinking, and it, 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 I don't know, the best way to describe it is like he's having a slight aneurysm as he thinks. Rats like a sinking ship. So, as a creature of, you know, I guess, survival-like nature, as you said, magma, perfectly, they either are running scared from something, or they're running because they want to charge something so we've got one of two things either they are running away and they have sent something large much larger than themselves much scarier than themselves which means that there's something down there that is much scarier than were rats or the alternative which is that they were summoned 
as in the sort of way that the werewives were covering their escape. Ziva, you're the only one that would be able to perceive and basically understand which of these two it was. Well, like, I sure didn't see them do anything that looked like magic. They looked really distracted. They were not paying attention. They were, like, in the middle of stuff. And then all of a sudden, they could smell something. And then they were like, you know when you're, like, asleep, and then, like, someone makes coffee, and you're like, all of a sudden you're like, I am awake, there's coffee, you know? It was like that. The question is, like, do they, do you believe they sensed you or something else? That's the big... I honestly hadn't, don't think they had any idea that I was there. I didn't look at Arabit, and I specifically look at Calder for a moment, you know, Twitch kind of, you see his fur bristle a little bit, and then it slowly calms down and lies flat. So, what would be down there that would scare rats the size of dogs? Cats the size of horses? You know, that's like, but probably not what it is. I don't know. It was creepy. And like, I'm not like scared of rats or anything. It's just, you know, uh, 681 of anything is a little intimidating. So, like, yeah, I don't want to go down there for that, but you're right. They totally have to come up somewhere. So why don't we go like... Okay, so if they go to that orc bar, maybe they go to other places near the orc bar. They might have been thrown out of some places there. That's quite possible, and Arabet and I could probably do that footwork fairly easy in the city. In the meantime, does anybody know of any sort of legends, any sort of rumor of things that live down below? This is an ancient, ancient city, even by... City standards? I don't know. Either way, this is an old city. Is there any sort of legends of things that live below? Any rumors? Any... Uh, I don't things know. live below. I do believe well, we are getting a touch ahead of ourselves. Of my course. Friend. Go ahead, Magma. I'm sorry. It's... We were hired for tasks specifically pertaining to the rats and getting rid of them. Now, chances are we should find out exactly what this big thing under the sewer is that was petrifying the rats. It could just be the fact that there were 681 rats that were the size of small dogs that were chasing after them that would cause them to run because that's being stampeded. I've seen it happen several times before. But if there is something else living under the sewers, then it may mean, Mr. Stitch, despite your best intentions, we may have to go spelunking. Uh, you watch Stitch make a, a, a motion almost like he's going to vomit, that, that kind of cat hawking up a hairball sort of motion for a second. He's like, oh, yes. And so... Well, you know what? You know what can help? I have this, like... Go. We use it in the mortuary when we're like doing bodies, and the bodies are like grody. We have this goo, and you like put it on your nose. It's like herbs and stuff that smells super strong, and it helps you not smell the gross stuff. Oh, I, I, 
Ziva, I'm not worried about the smell so much as you may notice that I'm furry and fur clings to everything. Oh yeah, I do not envy you going in there at all. I am not. I'm going to be wearing so many things on my head because I get shit in my hair. Oh my god. Right. Um, so, the best plan of action now would be which? Magma, should we uh, shake down people? Add a bit, shake down a few halflings, maybe do a little legwork and see if they uh, pop up at any other bars fairly regularly. Uh, getting this sneaking suspicion that they don't actually pay for things, they just cause a problem and drink to their field. Which means they are on the outs. If we are to go down below, of course, there is always a running into something else that is down there that they may not like as well. That's probably why they may be coming topside and causing problems up here. However, ugh, so many factors. Or the thing that is down there is asking them for tribute. Oh, don't even get me started. That's just a frightening. I was just thinking in the same sort of way in which our good friend Betty has to, uh, you know, pay the tolls, so to speak. I wonder if the were-rats are also having to pay tolls. You think there's a big rat, so to speak? I'm suspecting. So, I think our wisest course of action is to watch those sewer grates we think we, they may be using to come topside. And when they do grabbing one of the weaker ones to see what information we can shake out of Magma, will you be so good as to mark down the fact that you have advantage uh, whenever you want it? You uh, you have inspiration. That was, oh, uh, fantastic. That, that was well done. Who's going to remain behind this is the way that they come out of? Yeah, just to stick me wherever I can, like, help. I happen to have an appointment over at Bronze Tusk's Tusk Tooth uh, either early in the morning or around six o'clock at night. Uh, he was kind of mum on that. I'm assuming it's six o'clock in the morning, so I can certainly take over the one over in that direction to see if those those folks maybe come up there. Fair enough, so we could leave you behind here, see if they pop topside from this area do we want to go speak to possibly the halfling i'll do whatever you leave maybe one or two other people to perhaps watch other points of exit you can send of course those of our group that are particularly charming as she looks at calder and then nari and says perhaps the two of you would like to go to the halfling establishment and see if you can't maybe find the sad sob story of the four of them. That, that sounds like a lovely idea. What's our angle? I can give you a few names to start with. A few people that I've stitched up in the past that, uh, well, I wouldn't say the oomy favors, but, uh, you know, they might be a little more respectful if you were to mention me name. Don't mention it in a bad light. And don't hurt anybody while you're mentioning my name. You could say you're looking to track down family members and just leave it as vague as that. They'll give you all the information you need from there. Very well. Rough. So, what's our first plan, Rapscallions? 
which one would we like to open with? Shaking down the halflings or checking out the bar district? You know, I would be like, well, hey, why don't we just do it as like rock, paper, scissors, lizards, Spock to find out which goes first. But yeah. I mean, certainly the other the other group, the the halflings, the the shaking down the halflings in little town mm -hmm. um, certainly deserves to, to have some time, I think. OK, and we were going to send Calder and Nari to do that. Yep. Anybody I mean, else? Are we taking any muscle or are we sending only the casters? Yeah, maybe, uh... Arabat will go with... I'm just not worried about bad situations. All right, it's the work of a minute to hail a handsome cab. And, uh, you all pile in. Um, um, gentlemen, you rattle through the streets of Bailey Mina. Do you keep the windows open or closed? Um, I'd, I would say open so we can keep an eye on where we're going and... I know that means people can see in. But. All right. So you rattle through the streets and it takes you several kilometers out to Ork Ridge and Littletown, which are pretty much the same neighborhood, one inside the other. It's weird. When you pull up, the effect of the place is like they, there's those big square orcish tenements, which are well decorated with orcish decorations and, you know, orcish script. The, the graffiti's all in orcish and the pictures are all of orcish people. But in between these things are these squatter towns that, are, that sit on multi-levels. And honestly, your first thought on looking at them is that they are an absolute warren. Like exactly the sort of place that rats would live. But you get out of the cab and you dismiss it and you're standing maybe half a block away. And as you stroll down the street, Arabet is quiet and guarded and, you know, has his hands tucked into the sleeves of his, the broad sleeves of his jacket. And, you know, seems watchful as he follows you both along. Um, you have a few moments as you walk up the street to discuss what your plan is. I might suggest you would. All right, Nari. What do you think we should do here? Well, we don't want to come across as, you know, looking for these people, but, you know, we don't want to make it sound too sugary either. Maybe, you know, we're looking for them for, I don't know, like, do we need to have a definite reason? Or should we just be vague and like, oh, we're, we're trying to find these people. We've got, you know, messages for them, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. The other thing I was thinking, totally out of the blue, is we can try and sue them. Did, did you say sue? Sure did. Try and serve them up with a process, and if, uh, yeah, just try and find them by trying to serve them papers. That, that's one idea. I, I think that's quite fun. But where would we procure such papers at this hour? Process servers. Uh, it is not often that I'm presented with an idea I've not considered, but this is lovely. Well done. And you can have advantage for that. Take inspiration. Oh, nice. Okay, so do I roll them? Uh, you don't oh, need to roll have... it. You can just hang on to it until it's uh, until you need to use it. And when you when you use it, you roll with advantage. Oh, sorry, I didn't catch. Yeah, okay, so inspiration. Yeah, inspiration. Well, yeah, folks. folks. All right. So, uh, how should we proceed? I, I I also am rather delighted we're outside of my expertise. Well, I suppose at this point, uh, the thing to do is to just. Go forth and ask ask for these people. What do we got? The names uh, Willa and Men. Which would be the better one to sue? Do you think? 
I I haven't the foggiest. Do either of you happen to own Prestidigitation as a cantor? Oh yes, I do. Then there's your legal papers. I also have a spell that can forge documents. Oh my goodness! That's hilarious. In this case, you don't need to forge them. You can just make them. Same spell does it. So uh, as you're walking along and talking about this, Nary, do you want to narrate the casting of the spell, or would you like me to do it? Uh, you, you might as well. Uh, All right, so yeah, as you're walking along, and Nary's like, perhaps we should sue them. And with that, there's a snap of his wrist, and he has a sheaf of papers in his hand. As he unfolds them, it's, much, it, it's a similar trick to the ink demon throwing ink at a paper, but as he unfolds the script and it comes into view, the closer you look at it, the more distinct it becomes. And uh, it's a lot of uh, lorem ipsum sort of legalese. But uh, at the top, there's two empty spaces, which then fill in with your name and uh, his lordship as your attorney in this matter. Oh, we definitely don't want to actually end up in court. No. Anyway, um, whichever Marquis or Earl, rather, you're an Earl, sorry, my apologies. Um, his lordship is an Earl, and I need a name for him soon, by the way, Eric. Sorry? Uh, the... the your lawyer, um, Jobsworth is more of a, Jobsworth's the butler, and his lordship is the lawyer, right? Yeah, that's right. So the, his lordship holds an earldom, which isn't really an earldom. Like, I mean, if you want to look it up on a map, your earldom is two square blocks. It's a bot title, but it works, right? And it also allows you to practice law within the empire. So, um, that particular earl appears on the documents that Nari produces. Um, as for the respondents in this case, um, those names are blank, but when you decide on whoever you're going to do, whether it's Ben and Willow or Mickey and Despero, um, those names appear on the document. It's a completely legitimate legal suit. Sorry, that was, uh, who were the other two names? Something in Despero? Mickey and Despero. Okay, so yeah, I guess, uh, do you want to, yeah, we should actually it's, uh, either stay together as like an imposing legal team or split up, and D&D tradition suggests we don't split up. Oh, I think, uh, I think that I will be your page. All right, well, off and, uh, let's, uh, yeah, start, uh, asking around, finding, like, uh, there's got to be, like, some sort of nightlife happening. So as you approach this neighborhood, there's no guards or anything posted. It's just a place where people live. Um, as it is quite late in the evening, most of the people are asleep, however. You will see a couple of halflings strolling down these makeshift little corridor streets, right, between the, uh, between the, the tenements which are occupied by the orcs. Um, notably, the orcs have put up a traditional war fence. Um, along the sidewalk, which kind of blocks half the sidewalk, but, I mean, it really does give the place that orcish flair, right? Um, there is, of course, as you step into the, like, the, these tunnels, because you can't really call these corridors too much else. Um, like, they're seven feet tall, maybe, which, um, you know, Nari, you fit comfortably into, but Calder, you're finding a little tight. And uh, Arabet, you know, he, he's got no problem. He's the master of his own environment wherever he goes. He kind of slinks along behind you, keeping a watchful eye, as per. Um, 
anyway so once you get into this place like these like there's going by the dwellings here there's well they're they're halfling sized um looking at the people that you see walking down the streets they're all breeds of halfling there are stout halflings and you know lightfoots and like even the the skinny ones that don't talk much you know um there's a few of the a few of every kind passed out in the corridors as you as you lurk through this is a poor neighborhood and uh you know you can hear people yelling at each other from behind closed doors and the occasional broken dish that gets thrown and you know it, it's hard times here you know like drunks passed out on the drugs passed out in whatever nook they can get into um all the doors are closed most of the lights are off the street lights are on but the place has this whole mazy kind of not particularly well thought out as far as layouts go i mean there's a hundred feet between the buildings sure but that means there's like three corridors right with 30 families living inside a maybe a hundred by hundred square foot area you know they they're particular warrens climb up and there's all kinds of ropes and poles and various uh staircases where there's a few of them you don't think could really take your weight to be honest with you but when you find a few that you that do and you ascend to the higher levels or down to lower levels um like everything is cobbled together out of bits and pieces of other things such as people would throw away it's a trash town right but uh yeah, you're looking for what, really? Who are you looking for? I'm just uh, like any sort of uh, watchman or if there's like a market with, yeah, just someone who sort of looks like they're keeping an eye on the streets or the neighborhood in general. Certainly, you eventually come across a burly kind of halfling sitting on a, sitting on a chair. chair on a corner of where two of these corridors meet. This area is about 30 feet around. Um, you would assume that it's like in an open area, but really you can't see the sky because there's town on top of you and town beneath. But uh, I mean, he's sitting there, he looks watchful. There's, you know, he's got his arms folded across his chest and he's just watching the intersection. As you come pour, as you come pour again, he goes, ha, ah, what brings you here? I'm looking for Willa. Willa, what do you want? What do you want with Willa? She's been named in a lawsuit. A lawsuit? That's not fucking possible, mate. I'm here to serve her papers. If uh, you could point me in her direction, perhaps. Well, she's been, hmm, she's been hanging out with that Ben fella quite a bit. Oh, excellent. Also named in the suit. Oh, fantastic. Well, I don't have the first fucking clue where they are. You know, they're 18 years old. What are you going to do? They're probably off somewhere fucking, to be honest with you. I mean, when I was, when I was 18, if I had a girl like Willa, you're fucking right. Uh, I'll do an insight check to see if he's uh, bullshitting us or not. Please roll. Please roll. 21 total. Well, he's not bullshitting you at all. He just, he, he legitimately doesn't seem to know where they are, but, uh, you know, everything else is just speculation, so, you know. Anyway, he blows his nose on the sidewalk, and he, uh, 
you know anyway yeah so uh good luck finding them they've been uh they've been taken off in the different parts of town what we don't uh generally go to so i've heard do they have any family or friends here that i can perhaps well, uh we're, we are one family here my friend we are one people we live in the cracks and the crevices like uh well you know like uh survivors and i must tell you friend if you're going to be coming about here and he sits forward in his chair and his eyes get a dangerous kind of glint. I mean, right in the middle here, where you couldn't be further from escaping. Asking questions and waving papers about how much money do you have on you right now? I would imagine for small folk like us, quite a bit. And I need you to both roll a perception check. Ah, uh, I got eight. <laughs> Eight? Eight? I also, I also got an eight. Okay, so that explains why, not, why neither of you noticed that uh, as you look up now, all of the windowsills and, you know, stove and like drain pipes and things like that are glittering with little rat eyes. That's delightful. And there are all kinds of rats everywhere and as this one sits for as this halfling sits forward you know he uh he grins at you you notice he's got these big buck teeth and he goes i suggest you really rethink where you are and maybe take a hint i'll save you the trip to find willa and i'll tell you what i know she's gonna tell you are you ready fuck off i, I take a look at nari to to see what his play here is Good time to cast calm emotion. What's the uh, what's the difficulty? Charisma fifteen. Hey Google, roll the D twenty. What are you? Nine. Alright. So he sits down. He's like Well that's better. I think we've had a good talk, haven't we? Most illuminating. I mean, there's no reason to get upset. You seem like reasonable gentlemen. A working man, sir. I could tell, and there's no reason why you should get out by a bunch of rats tonight, is there? Rats? Look around you, yes. sir. I will look around me. And sure enough, both of you notice that there are rats of all kinds looking out from windowsills and, you know, around the cracks and crevices and various spaces left by this ramshackle construction. This warren of halflings. Yeah, you don't have to say that twice. <laughs> prepping up, but not captain yet, but I'm prepping up a nice, uh, real scary, real distracting illusion. Just okay. in case. There is a, uh, a, as you're strolling out, you notice there are no rats on the way out. Every other way has rats standing in the way. Um, but the, the way out, is quite clear and direct and doesn't take you near as long as it did to get in and you find yourself standing on the same sidewalk which you entered with your papers in hand and then surprisingly because you didn't see them before a pair of doors closes over all of the corridors facing your way all right well what now I would say we should probably report this to the authorities. Well, I, yes. I think this is 
The situation for that seems quite a bit worse than we thought. Especially... Did you... The gentleman we were speaking of... He was so cold and understanding with regards to the rats. I fear that this problem is much more than in the sewers. Yeah, he would appear to have quite an issue. I think we should... Um, I think we should go tell the others immediately. Maybe stop somewhere to buy a cat. Well, well, well. What will our hooligan heroes do next? Come back next week for episode five. Full show notes, credits, other legalities, links to our Patreon, and all kinds of lore can be found at runewise.games. I'm DM Runewise. See you next time. Until then, take care.